Hi, this is Joe Shannon. I'm a lawyer, a husband, a father of six kids, and I also uh, host a podcast called Opening Statement with Joe Shannon. Please consider listening to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, and any other folks that host podcasts. Just Google Joe Shannon and podcast and you'll find it. I hope you enjoyed the show. We're here today with Bart Durham of Bart Durham and Associates. How are you today, Bart? Great. Good morning, Joe. So, Bart, we've known each other for a long time, haven't we? Yes, we have, Joe. Uh, I was trying to think about uh, how long. and I think it's about, what, 25, 26 years now, right? That's right. I, uh, I remember you and I started our law firm about the same time, right, right about 1996. And uh, you were coming off a uh, gig as being a defense attorney, and so was I. And we were entering the, uh, the world of representing uh, people and that uh, have disputes with insurance companies and larger companies. And uh, we've been friends ever since, huh? That, that's exactly right. I, you know, I think, um, you know, you know think back, I think that uh, uh, because we had so much in common, you know, uh, uh, it was easy to, uh, to link to one another, you know? So uh, we both came from uh, insurance defense backgrounds. Uh, we both had young families uh, that we were starting, and uh, the same we lived in the same geographic area. Uh, we uh, uh, both came, uh, you know, from uh, outside the area, moving to the Chicago area anew, and uh, I, I think we we both kind of just latched arms and uh, uh, joined in the uh, struggle together, you know, so to speak. Yeah, you know, um, people, a lot of folks, uh, you know, they think about forming their own law firms or businesses. And, uh, you know, it's when, when I remember when we first did it, um, Michelle and I, we had two kids. Um, one of my daughters, Claire, was just born. And uh, so I had two kids under two years old and um, no clients. And I was looking for some friends that that had common interests, and, and you were one of them. And boy, I tell you, it's been quite a ride, uh, you know, uh, working with you. Uh, just to, just so the listeners know, Bart and I have partnered together on dozens of cases, and um, it's been great. I um, Bart's focused mainly on uh, helping workers who were injured on the job, and um, He's helped me on some cases where where we had a uh, a claim outside of that context, and so we worked together on those cases. And uh, it's just been um, I can't believe it's been 25, 26 years. But why don't we give the listeners a little background on you, Bart? Um, where where did you grow up? Yeah, so um, uh, both my wife and I. My wife's name is Jane, and uh, we both grew up in uh, Southern Illinois. Uh, both of our families are, uh, are from that area and um, uh, went to law school uh, in, uh, at Southern Illinois University after uh, 
my undergraduate uh, career at Wabash College in Indiana. And um, after I got out of law school, but, oh, my wife is also an attorney. And uh, so she and I kind of are, uh, entered the uh, law profession about the same time. Uh, and after law school, I got a job uh, in central Illinois uh, doing insurance defense litigation. And uh, uh, as part of that practice, we were, we were involved in uh, asbestos uh, defense litigation. And at the time, it was really uh, hot and heavy, so to speak, and uh, uh, ended up moving to Chicago, taking a job with the uh, firm that did the same insurance defense work uh, for the firm that I did in central Illinois. So I moved my family to uh, Naperville uh, 26 years ago. And... uh, uh, at that time uh, was faced with the decision of whether to move forward in the practice of insurance defense or do something that I've always wanted to do, which was to go out on my own and um, took the leap of faith 25 years ago. So I haven't looked back. So, so the, uh, the law firm of Bart Durham and associates was born. And, and um, so your practice is primarily uh, in what? Well, um, obviously when I first started, uh, practicing, I, uh, you know, my background was in insurance defense. So I knew the, uh, injury, you know, litigation, so to speak. Uh, my father is, was a, a surgeon in downstate Illinois, uh, small town surgeon. So I did have the medical background and I had the experience in injury litigation. So it was kind of a natural fit. Uh, to transition, you know, to the uh, to the plaintiff side of the ledger, and so that was kind of my goal uh, when I went out on my own. But as you know, uh, we both had no clients when we started our practices, so basically I was taking anything, you know, that came in the door uh, initially, and then uh, over time, um, you know, the. Uh, my office is in the bowling is in Bolingbrook, and uh, I started the practice 25 years ago. And at the time, Bolingbrook was kind of a, you know, a, uh, a growing, uh, smaller but growing community. Uh, there weren't a lot of attorneys there, and there certainly weren't any uh, uh, injury lawyers there. And so I started marketing my practice toward the injury uh, aspect. Slowly but surely, uh, my practice kind of evolved into uh, primarily a workers' compensation uh, injury practice, which today is probably, you know, 70 to 80 percent of my caseload is, uh, involves workers' compensation cases. And then I still do some, uh, some injury, uh, civil injury uh, cases as well. And, uh, and then collaborate, you know, obviously with, uh, with you and, and uh, other attorneys on, on uh, trying to make uh, – these workers' comp cases into uh, third-party cases, if if they uh, if the facts uh, allow. So let's back up now. So um, you've been in Bolingbrook area. Uh, I know your office has been lo- located right there on Bowden Road for a long time, and and you become kind of a uh, a mainstay in that community. But let's talk about um, uh, let's let's move back here a little bit. So. One thing I have that I always liked is that uh, you're one of the people I know that went to Wabash College 
um, in Indiana. Um, and I know you're proud of that. Um, you played sports there, didn't you? Well, I did, you know, um, uh, when I was in high school, I came from a small, uh, rural, uh, community called Benton, Illinois. And, uh, in Benton, basically, um, you know, they needed everyone that they could to man the team. So I played in multiple sports growing up and, uh, football was probably my best, uh, sport, although I think I like basketball better than any sport, but football was my, my best sport. And I played both ways, offensive and defensive, uh, positions, which many people had to do in small towns. And, um, you know, I was fairly good. I wasn't great, but um, uh, I did get uh, a uh, uh, some some minor uh, offers to play football, and one was at Wabash College, and uh, is also a great academic institution, and uh, it was really a good fit for me. So uh, I ventured to Crawfordsville, Indiana, in uh, 1980, and uh, played. Uh, football for the undefeated Wabash Little Giants football team in 1981. Wow, hold on a second now. I think that, I, I love mascots as, as uh, most people that know me know, and I, that's probably one of the best names of any university in America, the Little Giants. <laughs> I just think I just think it's great. It's like, uh, I don't know who came up with that one, but I, I sure do like it. You know, do you know why, why they call themselves Little Giants? You know, uh, I really don't know the origin of that, Joe, but, um, you know, uh, I know you've always, uh, you've always admired that. And, uh, <laughs> of course they had the movie that came out, you know, about 10, 15 years ago, uh, the little giants, you know, that kind of, kind of brought some attention, I think, to it, even though there weren't, wasn't a relationship there, but, uh, it is, a, it is a great school. It's a, uh, for me, it was a fantastic experience and, I only actually played football for the first two years. Uh, I think my uh, lack of talent, you know, <laughs> uh, caught up with me. But uh, uh, the greatest thing about it was I really, it really uh, academically for me was good. I wasn't the best student in the world or, you know, the most focused student, I guess I should say. And um, I think I learned really a lot about uh, myself and uh academics and uh you know what it took to to succeed academically at Wabash tell, tell me a little bit about what school's like at Wabash is it uh small school large school oh yes it, uh, Wabash is a small uh uh liberal liberal, liberal arts college in uh, Crawfordsville Indiana um it's a uh, one of only i think two or three uh, uh all male uh, liberal art colleges that remain in existence to the today. How many um, students were there when you were there? Yeah, believe it or not, uh, 800 students. Well, so it's about the size of my uh, high school, you know, uh, and a uh, very small college with a very small teacher to student ratio. And, um, you know, uh, a uh, lot of the students are in uh, fraternities. I think like 80% of the, of the student body are, are, uh, are in fraternities and uh, uh, which uh, I took part in and I, I joined a fraternity called Phi Delta Theta. 
and I lived in the house uh, uh, on campus for for four years. Where is Crawfordsville? Crawfordsville is a small uh, farming community in uh, East Central Indiana. Um, if you drew a straight line between Champaign, Illinois, and Indianapolis, and then almost right in the middle of that line would, would be Crawfordsville. Okay. And so it's a, it's still an hour outside of Indy or further? Yeah, it's about an hour outside Indy. I think it's about a two and a half hour, two hour drive from here. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, geographically centrally located. Um, and, um, like I said, it was just, it was a great, ex great experience for me. Tell me about um, when, when you were growing up in Benton and then you spent your time at Wabash. Tell me about some uh, memorable jobs that you had. I, you know, I, um, I was in the uh, Mariano's the other day and I was um, right now we're speaking April 2nd, 2020 and, we're in the middle of this COVID uh, virus epidemic, pandemic. And um, I was talking to um, a couple of the, the folks that work at the grocery store. And I tell you, I, I don't know if I've seen folks that stressed out um, in a long time. I mean, they're, they're right there on the front lines providing food for all of us. And, and um, I know that your daughter is a nurse and, and she's on the front lines working 80 hours a week. But I tell you, I, 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 you know, I'm trying to figure out how to identify with all these people that are on these things. Are, are there any jobs that you had growing up that were, you know, on, that were basically, I don't know, bad jobs or learning jobs, for, but well, how, how, to, how to really focus yeah. you academically? I mean, I, uh, yeah, you know, my dad, although he was a, uh, a physician, he was kind of a, um, a renaissance man in a lot of ways and he was involved in a lot of different aspects he loved to farm he loved to uh build and construct and um so he had many different uh ventures in in uh, business ventures as, while i was growing up and i was up my brother and i were always uh <laughs> the first two employees you know of each of his business ventures so uh, my dad instilled a strong work ethic uh, in us, and uh, oftentimes we were involved in his in his projects. And just to, just to outline a couple of them, um, he he owned a uh, a, a mobile uh, gas station, and uh, so uh, at the time, you know, gas attendants uh, pumped the gas and washed the windshields and did everything. It wasn't self serve, you know, thirty forty years ago. And so uh, I did that for several years, worked at a, uh, a gas station. Uh, believe it or not, my dad got involved in, uh, in the uh, hog uh, industry, uh, confinement industry. And so uh, I worked on a hog farm for a couple of years in high Hold school. Hold on a second. Bart Durham was a hog farmer? <laughs> well, I wasn't, but my, uh, my dad dabbled in it. And... Uh, you know, of course, I had to uh, I had to work, uh, do the field. So work, what is that? So. Tell me some of the jobs you did as a hog farmer. Well, I mean, he had a confinement operation, a hog confinement operation that he was trying to get going. And as part of it, believe it or not, he also had a um, a uh, ethanol 
alcohol still. And so the mash that was uh, used uh, uh, to feed the hogs uh, was also used to make uh, ethanol. So when the ethanol was, was made and then the excess mash was used to feed back to the hogs. So um, we did everything, believe it or not, from, uh, you know, the uh, confinement areas where the piglets uh, were born to, uh, to putting them uh, pigs into the pens and then raising them to, to, their, uh, to the adequate size to where they can go to market. So, uh, yeah, believe it or not, I did that for two or three years uh, in high school. Uh, and, uh, you know, look back on it really kind of fondly because it was kind of a, you know, unique experience, to say the least, you know. All right. So you're, you're a gas station attendant. Can you fill it up, sir, or all that stuff? And then washing their windshield, checking their oil, dealing with the hogs. What else you got? Uh, let's see. I think I worked as a um, a uh, busboy in a in a in a uh, restaurant uh, for a few years. Um, really good. <laughs> yeah, I was a, a mean dishwasher for sure. You know, but you still uh, wash the dishes, Bart. Oh, oh yeah, I just got done uh, filling the dishwasher here before the phone call. So. <laughs> Uh, try to try to do my share around the household here, you know. Well, that makes you pretty popular around the house. If you, uh, I told my kids during this this coronavirus thing that that the easiest way to wash your hands is to wash the dishes and make sure that that water is nice and hot. You get a lot of soap on there, and and you'll help everybody out. And I and I'm hoping that that's that's gonna catch on. Yeah, kind of like the uh, Tom Sawyer effect. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so i like it though yeah so, so when you were in college how about any jobs in college well uh you know in college um i was you know i was playing football i was trying to you know keep my head above water academically so i really uh and i i had a job in the fraternity though and it was basically uh you know the dishwasher and set the tables and all that in the morning, you know, during the day. So, or, or each meal of the day. So during college, my only job was in the fraternity and they gave me a discount on my uh, housing uh, for that. And, uh, and then my junior year in call in that Wabash, I, um, they, Wabash uh, college is, is really uh, emphasizes studying abroad. And so they really pushed that amongst their uh, student body. And I had several uh, upperclassmen in my fraternity that had gone to uh, overseas and studied abroad for a semester. And uh, a couple of the guys had gone to uh, a school in Wales uh, called Camarthen College and spoke very highly about it. And uh, my mother is of Welsh heritage. And so I'm essentially my uh, I'm half Welsh. And so it was a natural uh, uh, transition to go, you know, to to go to the college in Wales. So my first semester, my junior year, I, I spent a semester overseas at, at Carmarthen College in, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, at Trinity College in Carmarthen, uh, Wales, Wales. And uh, that was truly one of the highlights of my uh, of my uh, life, 
was the semester that I spent overseas in, in Wales. Why is that? Um, I think it was just because of uh, being introduced to, um, you know, the different cultures and the different uh, uh, ways of life, so to speak. Um, we uh, Another part of the uh, overseas experience, I was uh, I spent a, uh, a week in, uh, in Russia. Uh, at the time, it was still the communist uh, Soviet Union. And um, I took a, a course called Soviet Studies uh, at Trinity College. And part of the course was, if, you know, they offered a week uh, trip to Russia. So we uh, went to Leningrad, Russia for uh, a week. And that was that was uh, really something else. And then I got to spend a little bit of time on the European continent as well. You know, uh, got a Eurail pass and did a little uh, uh, circle around around Europe. Uh, I love the dog in the weird. background, Bart. What's the dog's name? Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. That's Chester. Tell us about Chester. Oh, Chester is a uh, he's a uh, Yorkie poo. Oh, so he's half Yorkshire Terrier. He's half poodle. Yeah. And and he likes to bark a lot. He wants to see you. Yeah, so you should invite him into the interview. Yeah, anyone that is walking their dog, you know, down the street, which is quite often, he's got to make his you know presence known. So I like it. I like it. Yeah. So so you're um, you're, so you're you're, you spent some time uh, abroad, and then um, were you working during the summers? Yeah, I did. I did. I worked during the summers. uh, back at home and um, uh, and then of course through the fraternity and then um, uh, and then I uh, of course decided that I wanted to go to law school and um, I applied to a n- number of different schools and took the LSAT and um, ended up uh, going to Southern Illinois University in Carbondale which was about 45 minutes from my hometown of Benton and um, at the time probably one of the cheapest tuition law schools in the country or shouldn't say cheap but one of the less expensive law schools in the country uh, for state tuition so um, after spending four years at a private school in Indiana that was that was a uh, welcome relief you know had you met Jane uh, at that point no, I had not, believe it or not. And I didn't meet Jane until uh, until the bar review course and uh, oh. not the bar review course, but the um, to study for the um, for the uh, Illinois State Bar Exam. So and, um, just so the listeners know, um, Bart and I have a lot in common. But the number one thing we have in common is that we both married first round draft picks Um First selection type NFL uh, <laughs> draft picks, him, uh, Jane Lucas, and me, and Michelle Acido. And uh, so we, we've been very blessed to have those partners in our lives. For the, and they both happen to be lawyers. That's true. That's right. And uh, uh, we're very fortunate, you know, to, to have them in our lives. Yeah, so – so, so you met uh, Jane at uh, the bar review course. Where, where was that at? That was in Carbondale. At, after we, uh, after my third year of you know completing after graduating from law school, then of course they have the uh, 
the, uh, the, the, the review course for the bar exam. And uh, Jane had gone, she, well, she's originally from Southern Illinois, she, and she grew up in a town about six miles away from where I grew up. We didn't know each other at all growing up, you know, even though we live, we live six miles apart from each other. And then uh, we met, well, uh, she ended up going to university, uh, law school. So uh, she had completed her uh, law school at Mississippi and then came back to Southern Illinois to study for the bar review. Uh, and um, that's where we, that's, that's where great. we met. And and then, so, so how long uh, after you met, did, did you get married? Oh, it's about wow. a year. You're... Yeah. About a year after we met. So it was, uh, it was a, uh, <laughs> it was a, uh, Immediate That's attraction. Awesome. So, so you know? tell me about that. Where, where'd you guys get married? Well, um, uh, my first job out of law school was in uh, Mattoon, Illinois, and um, I, as I said, I went for to work for a firm there called uh, Craig and Craig, which is a you know reputable uh, defense firm in Central Illinois, and uh, worked there for six years. And uh, Jane and I were married in the. Presbyterian Church in Mattoon, oh, Illinois. Great. And then um, I bet you uh, that's that's uh, what, so. What year is that? Let's see. That was nineteen eighty-eight. Wow! So you guys been married? Yeah, it's going on thirty-two years, huh? That's right. When's the anniversary, years. buddy? Uh-huh. Uh huh. December fifteenth. You know what? That's you're on top yeah. of it, man. You're on top. That's great. So, um, tell me about your family. You have children. I do. I have uh, I uh, three children. Um, they're all grown. I have two boys and a girl. Uh, my oldest two sons uh, are uh, uh, living together in uh, California, uh, basking in the uh, California sun. Um, and uh, my youngest daughter is uh, my youngest child is my daughter, and she is a uh, an emergency room nurse um, at a major hospital. And tell me about Chicago. what's going on with her. Well, um, you know, obviously it's a very trying time right now, and um, she is working in uh, working and working uh, multiple hours a week without a lot of rest. Um, without a lot of protective equipment, you know, that the nurses are in need of. And um, we're obviously very concerned, you know, about her. But on the other hand, we're also very proud of her, you know, because, you know, she is on the front line of this battle. And, and, um, and uh, we're, you know, we're very fortunate because she's an outstanding nurse and i know that you know the people that are being treated by her are, are in good hands yeah i um i i remember uh her growing up and her being a star soccer player and just the nicest kid of all time and i feel better knowing that people like uh your daughter wesley are are out there um you know you know, I, I, I'm, I'm seeing these scenes on TV of these nurses, all these young people and doctors walking in these hospitals and there's people outside clapping for them. And, and you know, um, they're just true warriors dealing with this thing. I mean, they're, they're not afraid and 
and they know that they can get the virus, they know it's deadly, and they go and they, instead of running from, from that challenge, they're running to it. Exactly. And, um, um, you know, she's young and she's healthy and, um, you know, and I know she's being attentive, you know, as far as, you know, uh, hygiene wise. So I, uh, hopefully this thing will get under control here shortly, yeah. you know, and, um, and we can kind of move, get back to our normal lives. So let me, you know? let, let me talk. Uh, I, I always talk to people. Um, I, I love, I love the discussion we had about you being a pig farmer or a hog farmer. I like that. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah so I thought you would. What, tell me some, um, I, I always ask people some defining moments, both in their um, personal life and their professional life. And you've had a, a ton of them because, and you've helped so many people. And, and uh, one thing about, folks that you know i think all the jobs that you had in your life and and the service you've had to do is that you know how to talk to people and you understand um every, you know you, you understand people and their problems and you and you get it and uh but i i was wondering if you had any defining moments in your um personal life that you'd like to share well i mean i think you know to some extent i already shared part of that i think obviously uh my uh uh education at wabash i think was certainly a uh, uh a turning point for me or a very valuable point in my life um i think the um uh obviously the marriage and and, and birth of my children uh uh were, were certainly uh uh altering you know changing points of my life um and then you know really uh uh the decision to throw everything into the wind and open my own law practice uh on my own 25 years ago you know in an area that i had no clients really um had uh uh no connections uh, just doing it on a whim, uh, that was certainly up there yeah, as well. Yeah, I, I, um, I agree. I think, you know, a lot of people don't, don't see the, the potential they have. And, and I think as a general rule, all of us use about maybe five or 6% of what, what God gave us. And I think sometimes you got to push yourself a little bit and it sounds like you have, but, um, so prof how about professionally? Is there any cases that you remember or? Any uh, professional uh, defining moments that you can share with us? <laughs> well, I know uh, you and I have certainly had our uh, 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 cases that have had some unusual uh, facts to them, you know. So uh, I don't know if we can we can share those here on on uh, on the podcast or not. But uh, as long as they're as long as it's uh, public you know, and, and, you know, that type of thing. I don't, I don't mind. And, you know, I, I, you don't have to use the names, but I mean, they're sure there's some, but if there's any, you know, specific, you know, situations that you can remember that were, were highlights that, for you that, that you felt like you made a difference in, in somebody's life in a significant way. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, I think, uh, you know, from a, um, kind of like from a celebrity standpoint, I think, uh, when uh, early on in my career, when I was doing insurance defense work, I was involved in a case uh, 
that involved uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan's uh, uh, estate, and uh, I worked for the uh, sub- the insurance company uh, uh, for a subrogation claim relating to uh, the Stevie Ray Vaughan uh, uh, death. So that was that was really kind of an interesting uh, a case. Um, and then, you know, as I as I went out on my own, then my practice evolved, like I said, primarily into a um, into a workers comp, you know, uh, practice with, uh, you know, injury component as well. So really, I mean, I, you know, over the years, I, I think, you know, the, the 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 most gratifying thing to me is I think is the number of 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 community members that I, that I've helped, you know, and, and have, uh, uh, helped, uh, get through their crises, so so to speak. Yeah. One one of the uh, things I wanted to talk to you about before we we wrap this up is some of the, your passions or hobbies. You know, one of the things that, um, I know about you is that, um, over the past, I don't know how many years it's been, but, um, you've gotten into, uh, being, one of the, you know, into leadership, into, um, fishing. Well, yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I've always been an outdoors type person and, and, uh, you know, growing up in Southern Illinois, uh, there were a lot of lakes and my, my grew up on a lake and, uh, uh, fishing has always been a big part of my life. Uh, ever since my grandfather, took me uh uh crappie fishing on the ohio river uh in my early ages so uh uh i kind of got away from fishing you know when i was uh in law school and in the early part of my career and um uh basically i think it's back in around 2005 2008 um i had um started reading about the uh fact that the area around us has a has a fish called the smallmouth bass and the smallmouth bass uh is a uh really probably one of the top uh predators on the food chain so to speak and that they're so aggressive and such a fighting fish they are, and so they're a very sporting fish and, and very fun to uh to catch so one of the great things about the Naperville Bolingbrook area is we have these rivers around us that are populated with smallmouth bass. So I started researching it and, and lo and behold came across this organization called the Illinois smallmouth Alliance. And it's a basically a group of about 300, you know, dedicated smallmouth fishermen that are conservation minded and want to keep our waters and rivers clean and, and healthy to help propagate the smallmouth bass population. So I got involved with the Illinois Smallmouth Alliance back back in 2010. And then over the years, got more involved. And in 2015, I was named uh, the president of the Illinois Smallmouth Alliance. So uh, I'm still currently the president. And um, that's really been a... uh, part of my life as well is the uh so so tell me about that so you so you is the uh i see work that i do there i um i saw you know every now and then i see i see you uh and you got a truck and you got uh it looks like to me like some sort of kayak in the back of it yeah so 
Absolutely. So, um, uh, well, let me just kind of premise, you know, I mean, uh, preface this, um, as you know, Joe, our, 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 our profession can be pretty stressful, you know, and, and it, it is relatively a high stress job. So I, I, you know, I've always looked for, for avenues to help deal with that, you know, in a healthy way. And, and, and one of them has been through fishing for me. And as part of the, as part of the, uh, my, uh, work with the ISA, I, we have a number of, of members that, that do different types of fishing. And, uh, one, a lot of the people in our, our, our organization love to, uh, fly fish. So I never fly fish before. And, and I, um, I, uh, I took it up and, uh, just fell in love with it. And, uh, so fly fishing has really kind of been my stress relief, I guess, so to speak, and, uh, therapeutic relief, you know, from the law profession. And, and so I often, you know, uh, getting away from it all and I'll go fly fishing and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it, it just takes you to a whole different world and, and, uh, it's just been such a, a great relief valve for me and, and I've really enjoyed it, but, um, uh, the ISA, so, you know, we have all kinds of different fishermen. We have fly fishermen, we have spin fishermen, we have all different types. And uh, anyone listening to this that has any interest in, in smallmouth fishing or fishing at all, please look us up and uh, 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 please look uh, reach out to me and I'll be happy to ask, answer any questions that I can. So this, this but, fly fishing, um, so I, I got introduced to that a little bit when I was in Portland, Oregon. And there was a collection of, of folks that I knew that were just, that's all they talked about. They, they talked about fly fishing on the weekends. They talked about making the flies. They talked about all this, this. And this was a whole universe of people that I had no idea that this was such a big deal. But, but you're in that group now. Yeah, you're right. You know, I, I really never realized it either, Joe. But there is a large universe, certainly a fly fisherman and, and it is, you know, it is kind of a unique breed of, of, of individuals, but we all, every one thing we all have in common is we love to, you know, we love to fly fish. And, and I think most of the fly fishermen have a strong conservation bent as well, you know, and want to want to uh, make sure that our waters are kept clean and that the fish population, you know, remains strong. Yeah, And then you guys always, when you catch them, you release them too, right? Oh, absolutely. That's one of the primary tenets of the ISA is is to uh, catch and release. And I think because of that, you know, uh, that and other conservation measures such as dam removals and, you know, the water, Clean Water Act and things of that nature, the the uh, the rivers around Chicago are generally, you know, pretty clean right now. And, and the smallmouth uh, bass population is pretty strong. So uh hopefully we can keep it that way and and uh you know my uh pastime can con- continue for years to come that's great that's but great I, yeah but getting back to what you were saying uh yeah one of the one of the great ways to to get two good locations for smallmouth fishing is is in a kayak and uh, you know many of the rivers that we have around uh, our area are kind of too small for for boats you know or larger boats so you need a smaller vessel like a kayak or a skiff boat or something like that and uh uh 
so yeah, we uh, we often uh, do kayak uh, excursions uh, to uh, to uh, find the, the smallmouth. I I I was uh, looking at some pictures of some fish that you pulled out of these what I call creeks or small, you know, and I, and I couldn't believe how big these fish are that are in these small little, you know, DuPage river creeks or, or rivers. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, they, they, they're easily, um, impacted by rainfall so you know if we have a rain a lot of times the rivers get blown out and you know they're they they get stained and muddy and you can't fish them so then you kind of turn to the tributaries you know the smaller creeks that feed into the into these rivers and especially during the spring you know the the uh bass are looking for shallow waters to to spawn and um and they'll go up into these creek bit mouths and creeks to uh, to do their thing. So you can often, you know, find success great. in these tributaries. Well, it's been great talking to you. I'll get. Yeah. I'll let you get. Uh, hopefully, you'll during this time of social distancing, you'll be able to do some fishing and uh, be out there and get and take some of the stress off. But I I want to thank you so much for joining us and giving this education about everything from fishing to how to how to deal with hogs and little giants and all that type of stuff. It's been a fascinating interview and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to sit down with us. Well, Joe, I really appreciate you having me on and, and um, hopefully I didn't uh, bore you to death. And, uh, but uh, you know, uh, I think so highly of you and, and uh, appreciate everything that you've done for me and over the years. And, and uh, I look forward to, Continue so in our relationship. People want to get a hold of you, Bart. How do they do that? Well, um, you know, uh, my uh, office uh, phone number is 630-226-1233. And uh, my, uh, I have a website. It's uh, Durham, my last name, Durham, D U R H A M dash law okay that's six three zero two two six one two three three durham dash law.com look him up great guy his wife jane number one draft pick great 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 family great neighborville family bolingbrook is lucky to have a guy like this guy uh and just uh seek him out and he'll be your friend for life all right good night nice talking to you bart Thank you for listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. You can find us on the internet at shannonlawgroup.com or telephone our office at 312-578-9501. Have a terrific day.